This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie Weaver, and I'm here with my co-host, partner in crime and sister, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. Hey, everybody. As usual, excited to be here. Yeah. First show of the week. First show of the week. Plus, we're just talking about crazy town, man. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I love the old cases because there's so much interesting stuff just to see how much things have changed in a hundred years. Or how they haven't in this case. case. (laughs) True. (laughs) Also in this case. Yeah. You know, we've joked before that Lori Vallow is one of the women with the golden vagina, right? She just can't quit luring men in. And men just can't quit just sidling up to her and getting involved in her bullshit. Well, we discovered the very first serial killer, female serial killer in Idaho. First known. Uh, It was actually a listener request. So thank you so much for that. So we're going to talk to you guys a little today about Lida Southard. Now, Lida shares some stark similarities to Lori Vallow. In that she likes to kill her husband for mm-hmm. anyone guess what? Of course and you know. Anyone who gets in her way. And any thought at all. Mm. Yeah, anyone in her way, but mostly it looks like for you know life insurance. Yeah. Yes. So Lida had at least five victims, and this is not including the children that died on her watch. We'll tell you a little about those two, but she killed five husbands for life insurance money. Well, yep. I guess, yeah, and a brother-in-law. And a brother-in-law, yeah. Who who got a little too nosy. Yes, he seemed to know a little too much. So mm-hmm. let's start at the beginning. She was born in 1892 in Missouri. She married a guy named Robert Dooley in 1912, and they moved to Twin Falls, Idaho. In 1914, they had a daughter named Lorraine, and Lorraine died unexpectedly in 1915. Her mother said it was because she drank water from a dirty well. Now, obviously, every death around her, we're going to be suspicious of, right? Yeah. That's number one. Well, she drank some dirty water, but might not have been from a well. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying. Shortly after, in August of 1915, her husband died, Edward Dooley. The death was ruled uh, hodamine poisoning? Tomaine. Tomaine poisoning. Uh, 
And shortly thereafter, Robert Dooley died of typhoid fever. So in one year, in 1915, the brother-in-law died, the husband died, and the daughter died. Leaving her as the sole survivor in the family. This should have been a massive red flag. You'd think. But she collected life insurance on all of them. Conveniently. And for two years, it looks like she uh, maybe was on her own. She Then she got married to a guy named William McCaffle. And she actually had a daughter at this point that was living. And at that point, uh, her daughter died right after she got married. How convenient. Or maybe inconvenient was the daughter. In the way of the new marriage. Right. So they moved to Montana. A year later, McCaffle got what they called at the time maybe influenza. And you know what? He kicked the bucket on yeah. October 1st, 1918. The death certificate said that he died of influenza and diphtheria. Now that's some bad luck. That is some super bad luck, yeah. Yeah. That was in 1918. In 1919, she married a guy named Harlan Lewis. He was an automobile salesman from Billings, Montana. Mm. Well, he must have been a serious pain in the ass. Because four months after their marriage, he died. He really didn't like him. Right? From complications of gastroenteritis. See, okay, two things. First of all, tomaine poisoning is just food poisoning. You know, generally doesn't kill you. Yeah. Uh, Also, gastritis is just like an inflammation of the stomach. Mm. And it also doesn't kill you. So interesting. They're just kind of grasping here, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Well, and the, and the baby that died of bad water, you know, like yeah. Okay, legitimately, we're talking about very early 1900s, and so yeah. people they didn't know. <laughs> they were just well, guessing. I mean, y'all know how when Tammy Daybell died, Chad was like, "We don't need no autopsy," and mm-hmm. they were like, "Yeah, a healthy 49 year old woman kicks it in the night." We don't need no autopsy. Seems totally normal. I'm guessing that what was put on the death certificate was what she told them to put on the death certificate. I'll bet you're right. I'll bet you're right. So that wasn't good enough. That that was in uh, 1919. In 1920, in August of 1920, she married Edward Meyer. He was a ranch foreman in Pocatello, Idaho, and he must have been a terrible lover because on September 7th, 1920, just four weeks into the marriage, he fell ill of typhoid and died. My gosh, she just literally must be the most unlucky person I have ever met in my life. Right? Every man she marries just breaks her heart again. Yeah. Yes. So... We have a list of marriages for her that actually goes well beyond that. She married Paul Southard, which we'll get to. And then we also believe she was married for a time to a man named Harry Whitlock. And then another guy named Hal Shaw. So So just out of curiosity, uh, how are those two guys doing? 
I mean, they're dead now, but. Right. We don't know. On all three of the last ones, it says that they were potentially divorced. So maybe they uh, got wise to her wily ways, but married seven times. So here's what happened. Earl Dooley, he was a relative of her first husband, was quite sure she was full of shit and started Mm -hmm. to study the deaths surrounding her. Because, you know, sometimes when someone's husbands all keep dying, some people just might go, huh, that's a little off here. Something's not right. So he, along with a physician and another chemist, they must have, uh, I don't know if they exhumed Ed and Bob Dooley, but they determined that they were... Mm-hmm. They determined they were actually murdered by arsenic poisoning. So they got in cahoots with the Twin Falls County prosecutor, a guy named Frank Steffen. And Frank started an investigation and exhumed the bodies of three of her husbands and her four-year-old daughter and her brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. And they discovered that some of the bodies did have traces of arsenic. And others were suspected of arsenic poisoning because of how well the bodies were preserved. And because she was lapping up the life insurance from every one of them. Right. Which was uh, concerning. She was able to collect a whopping $7,000 over the deaths of her three husbands. (laughs) Whoa. Okay. But a hundred years ago, I mean, that was a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Now, you ready to be weirded out and Lori Vallowed out? She was mm-hmm. found by law enforcement in Hawaii. Yes. I know. Married Weird, huh? For the fifth time to Navy Petty Officer Paul Southard. She was extradited to Idaho on June 11th, 1921. Yeah. Weird. What if she tried to fight extradition? Ask I wonder. Friend. Wonders. <laughs> I wonder if there was. I wonder what her bond. Well, we know what her bond was. Well, we know what a, a reward was for her. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, there was a reward. They were looking hard. Fifty $50. bucks, bro. Fifty bucks. That was a lot then. Well, I was pretty curious about this whole uh, arsenic thing. Yes. Because uh, what the uh, history says is that she was using flypaper. Yeah. Now, first of all, we grew up around tons of flypaper because our grandparents had a pig farm. You can imagine the number of flies. It was a lot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those little spiral things that used to hang from the ceiling. Yeah. God forbid you had to be the one to put one, take one down or put one up because if they stuck to you. It was never coming off. You guys ever had one of those in your hair? I have. I have. Told you. Yeah. <laughs> Not cool. Yeah. Well, apparently, they don't anymore. But they used to contain arsenic. That's how they killed the flies, right? Yeah. Super weird. So I looked up some stuff because I'm like, okay, you know, can you really kill somebody with flypaper? Turns out, at her time, yes, you can. So um, back when they made um, flypaper with arsenic salt in it, a typical flypaper contains somewhere between 150 and 400 milligrams of soluble arsenic salts. 
So, um, and it was potentially lethal and it could be hidden in strong tea or coffee. So I did look up what is a lethal dose of arsenic and it is 140 to 1400 milligrams for an average sized adult. Wow. So potentially just one flypaper could have had enough to kill somebody. Yeah. Or dissolving it in water. If you did this over the course of several days. Yeah. It's just building and building until it's D-Day. Exactly. Yeah. I was really curious. Like, gosh, what would it take? Would it be like tons and tons of flypapers? Yeah. It actually really isn't. Not necessarily. Wow. Yeah. Well, she had a trial. She had a six-week trial. She was convicted of second-degree murder, and she was sentenced to 10 years in prison. 10 years for all <laughs> those murders. Yeah. 10 years. But on May 4th, 1931, she escaped from prison. I'm sure using the bright and shining a golden vagina yet again. Oh, yeah. It was with the help of a prison guard whom she had convinced that she was innocent and, you know, <laughs> used that shining vagina. Yeah. Yeah. She actually had help from a prison guard to be to escape. Christ on a cracker. It's just hard for me to believe, you know, I mean, I know it happened. I'm not saying it didn't, but wow. Yeah. Well, she fled to Denver, Colorado, and she worked as a housekeeper, which I think is so bizarre because she seemed to be quite above that kind of life here just a moment ago. Mm -hmm. But of course, guess what? She worked as a housekeeper to a guy named Harry Whitlock. who She married. <laughs> yeah. Then Harry found out that she was a wanted woman because she killed mm -hmm. all her husbands and she was had escaped from prison. So he actually helped the uh, authorities arrest her and return her to the penitentiary in August of 1932. So she was there until 1941, where she received a final pardon in 1942. Pardon. She was freaking pardoned. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. And then it sounds like that is when she married the last husband, Hal Shaw. Yeah, and moved to Salt Lake City, Utah. She died there of a heart attack in 1958. And she is buried in Twin Falls at the Sunset Memorial uh, Cemetery. That is so bonkers to me. Mm -hmm. First of all, why was she pardoned? Yeah. Why? Second of all, I mean, she was a serial killer. America, come on. Yeah, she really was. She was a serial, you know. But she was, she was definitely killing for financial gain. Mm -hmm. And she well, was and, pretty and convenient. Mm -hmm. Well, and just the the way of killing, like dying of arsenic poisoning, is terrible. Yes. That's a miserable way to go. Yeah. I read somewhere that she, when they um, 
issued an, a warrant for her arrest, they searched somewhere where they found several rolls of fly paper and a large barrel that she kept full of water and she soaked the fly paper in it. So she had like at the ready, the arsenic water. <laughs> Jeez. Pretty brutal. Well, I mean, she needed it when the, uh, the need struck. I mean, considering that some of these men were only married to her for a few months. Yeah. If they, if she decided she didn't like this one, man, he was out. Yep. And then her children. Oh, just luckily she only had two. Yeah. That we know of. That, that doesn't that mean a thing. It doesn't mean a thing, you know. No case this old, it certainly could have been that she had more, but it's just horrifying to me to think that for one, that she's only served about 10 years in prison. I mean, for all those murders, that's just wild. I'm okay. sure that at the time it was very unusual to be charging a woman for murder and to be housing a woman in the state penitentiary. Yeah. Not usual. You know, she obviously no. was super manipulative and did a really great job of, you know, using her using her wiles on that uh, guard, that prison guard, to get out. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. She knew what worked. That was for sure. Yeah, I just didn't. cannot get over the fact that she was found in Hawaii. Right. That wasn't Kauai. It was Honolulu, to be fair. It but was. he was extradited from Hawaii back to Idaho to stand trial for yeah. murdering her husband's and, and maybe the little girl. They they never really say if there were charges on the baby or not. Or yeah, the it's daughters. not really clear what the charges are. Yeah. And not all of them were in Idaho. Some of them were in other states. Yeah. And so it's not 100% clear how that all went down. But no. She sure didn't do much time for what she'd been convicted of. No, that's the other thing. For that amount of death, it is yeah. insane that that's all she got. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, but to be fair, it was a 10 years to life sentence. Mm -hmm. But they that's all they uh, inflicted was 10 years. And then they pardoned her with a full mm -hmm. pardon. But yeah. in those 10 years, she escaped. Like, And they just brought her back and put her back in prison. It wasn't I like... I don't know if the courts were just a lot more forgiving then than they are now, but what the hell? Yeah. I just really think because she was a woman, they really had a hard time knowing what to do with her. Yeah. Now, that wouldn't, you know, obviously we're watching this play out in the Valodable case, but I think back then it just was so unusual for yeah. a woman to do these things. People didn't send, didn't yeah. tend to think it was even possible, you know? Yeah. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Well, here's an article that was in the New York times in 18, oh, yes. or 1921. This is funny. Mm -hmm. Mrs. Lyda Meyer Southard convicted here last week of the murder of Edward F. Meyer. Uh, of course, this is from Twin Falls, Idaho. Mm -hmm. Her fourth husband was sentenced today in district court from oh, two, from 10 years to life imprisonment. The defendant stood up 
fixed her eyes on the bench, and received the sentence without a tremor. <laughs> Notice of appeal was filed by her attorneys, but a stay of execution of sentence was not asked. Not execution, execution of sentence, to be clear. Mm-hmm. That's not how we word things these days, but... No. <laughs> Mrs. Southard packed up all of her belongings about the county jail yesterday, and according to her attorneys, had expressed a wish to begin serving her sentence at once. Uh-huh. Under Idaho law, the duration of indeterminate sentences is largely in the hands of the state pardon board. Mrs. Mm-hmm. Southard appeared in court alone, except for her attorneys. Her husband left for San Francisco last night to resume his duties at, as a petty officer in the Navy. Remember, he was in the service in Hawaii. Yeah. No action against Mrs. Southard is contemplated in connection with the deaths of Edward or Robert C. Dooley, former husband and brother-in-law, respectively, respectively, according to local officials. Okay, so that's why. She only got the one sentence because they actually only convicted her for the one murder. Yeah. Got it. Wow. Very, very interesting. Well, he also immediately filed for divorce, um, (laughs) stating his reason for divorcing her was that she is now a convicted felon. (laughs) I think his real reason was, I don't want her to kill me too. Right. (laughs) Self I mean, he was defense. really lucky. Yeah, he was. He was really lucky. It was just a matter of time. It really was. Yeah, yeah. Hell, she was probably already giving it to him. He just didn't know it yet. I bet that uh, barrel she kept full of uh, arsenic water was probably all loaded up. I would imagine. Yep. Yep. So there you have it. Lida Southard. Lori Vallow uh, be alike. I want to say look alike, but they're probably not. But you know, not twin really. Plane, uh, <laughs> not really. But there have been, and th- this is this has been brought up like in news stories and things in our community several times that there are some real similarities between the two of them. Yeah, and uh, there really are. So yeah, interesting stuff. You bet. Yep. So there you go. Well, that's our first case this week. We will be back tomorrow. With a group, or I'm sorry, we'll be back tomorrow. Not this is our group case for the week. We'll be back tomorrow with a really special MMIW case that we've been working on for a few weeks. And yes. Christy has pulled together some really good information. This is a case we're excited to share and uh, sad to share and, and glad to share uh, the yeah. info about. And then we'll be back on Wednesday with another uh, code read case. And then Wednesday night, of course, uh, case updates, Thursday night the psychic hour. So lots of good stuff coming. And gosh, I think, is there really nothing in the Ballo Daybell case this week? As far as we know. As far as we know. But if we, if something changes, we will certainly let you know. Lightning could strike, you know, it frequently does around here. So it does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys have a wonderful day, night, evening, whatever you're doing and wherever you are, make it good. Please be good to yourselves. This has been another production of True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Take care. Thanks, everybody. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform.
If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl 